Chapter Nineteen through Thirty-Seven of Tao Te Ching and Wu Wei. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Melanie Schleter McCalmont. Tao Te Ching and Wu Wei by Lao Tzu, translated by Dwight Goddard and Mabel Edith Reynolds. Chapter Nineteen. Abandon the show of saintliness, and relinquish excessive prudence, then people will benefit a hundredfold. Abandon ostentatious benevolence, and conspicuous righteousness, then people will return to the primal virtues of filial piety and parental affection. Abandon cleverness and relinquish gains, then thieves and robbers will disappear. Here are three fundamentals on which to depend wherein culture is insufficient. Therefore let all men hold to that which is reliable, namely, recognize simplicity, cherish purity, reduce one's possessions, diminish one's desires. Chapter 20 Avoid learning if you would have no anxiety. The yes and the yea differ very little, but the contrast between good and evil is very great. That which is not feared by the people is not worth fearing. But oh the difference, the desolation, the vastness between ignorance and the limitless expression of the Tao. Author's Note the balance of this sonnet is devoted to showing the difference between the careless state of the common people and his own vision of the Tao. It is one of the most pathetic expressions of human loneliness, from lack of appreciation ever written. It is omitted here that it might serve for the closing sonnet and valedictory. End of chapter 20 Chapter 21 All the innumerable forms of Te correspond to the norm of Tao, but the nature of the Tao's activity is infinitely abstract and elusive. Illusive and obscure indeed, but at its heart are forms and types. Vague and elusive indeed, but at its heart is all being unfathomable and obscure indeed, but at its heart is all spirit, and spirit is reality. At its heart is truth. From of old its expression is unceasing. It has been present at all beginnings. How do I know that its nature is thus? By this same Tao. Chapter 22 At that time the deficient will be made perfect, the distorted will be straightened, the empty will be filled, the worn out will be renewed. Those having little will obtain, and those having much will be overcome. Therefore the wise man, embracing unity as he does, will become the world's model. Not pushing himself forward, he will become enlightened. Not asserting himself, he will become distinguished. 
not boasting of himself he will acquire merit, not approving himself he will endure. For as much as he will not quarrel, the world will not quarrel with him. Is the old saying, The crooked shall be made straight, a false saying? Indeed, no. They will be perfected, and return rejoicing. Chapter 23 Taciturnity is natural to man. A whirlwind never outlasts the morning, nor a violent rain the day. What is the cause? It is heaven and earth. If even heaven and earth are not constant, much less can man be. Therefore he who pursues his affairs in the spirit of Tao will become Tao-like. He who pursues his affairs with Te will become Te-like. He who pursues his affairs with loss identifies himself with loss. He who identifies himself with Tao, Tao rejoices to guide. He who identifies himself with Te, Te rejoices to reward. And he who identifies himself with loss, loss rejoices to ruin. If his faith fail, he will receive no reward of faith. Chapter 24 It is not natural to stand on tiptoe, or being astride, one does not walk. One who displays himself is not bright, or one who asserts himself cannot shine. A self-approving man has no merit nor does one who praises himself grow. The relation of these things, self-display, self-assertion, self-approval, to Tao is the same as awful is to food. They are excrescences from the system. They are detestable. Tao does not dwell in them. Chapter 25 There is being that is all-inclusive, and that existed before heaven and earth, calm indeed, and incorporeal. It is alone and changeless. Everywhere it functions unhindered. It thereby becomes the world's mother. I do not know its nature. If I try to characterize it, I will call it Tao. If forced to give it a name, I will call it the great. The great is evasive. The evasive is the distant. The distant is ever coming near. Tao is great. So is heaven great, and so is earth, and so is the representative of heaven and earth. Man is derived from nature. Nature is derived from heaven. Heaven is derived from Tao. Tao is self-derived. Chapter 26 The heavy is the root of the light. The quiet is master of motion. Therefore the wise man in all the experience of the day will not depart from dignity. Though he be surrounded with sights that are magnificent, he will remain calm and unconcerned. How does it come to pass that the emperor, master of ten thousand chariots, has lost the mastery of the empire, 
because, being flippant himself, he has lost the respect of his subjects. Being passionate himself, he has lost the control of the empire. Chapter 27 Good walkers leave no tracks, good speakers make no errors, good counters need no abacus, good wardens have no need for bolts and locks, for no one can get by them, good binders can dispense with rope and cord, yet none can unloose their hold. Therefore the wise man trusting in goodness always saves men, for there is no outcast to him. Trusting in goodness, he saves all things, for there is nothing valueless to him. This is recognizing concealed values. Therefore the good man is the instructor of the evil man, and the evil man is the good man's wealth. He who does not esteem his instructors, or value his wealth, though he be otherwise intelligent, becomes confused. Herein lies the significance of spirituality. Chapter 28 He who knows his manhood and understands his womanhood becomes useful like the valleys of earth which bring water. Being like the valleys of earth, eternal vitality, te, will not depart from him, he will come again to the nature of a little child. He who knows his innocence and recognizes his sin becomes the world's model. Being a world's model, infinite te will not fail. He will return to the absolute. He who knows the glory of his nature and recognizes also his limitations becomes useful like the world's valleys. Being like the world's valleys, eternal te will not fail him. He will revert to simplicity. Radiating simplicity he will make of men vessels of usefulness. The wise man, then, will employ them as officials and chiefs. A great administration of such will harm no one. Chapter 29 one who desires to take and remake the empire will fail. The empire is a divine thing that cannot be remade. He who attempts it will only mar it. He who seeks to grasp it will lose it. People differ, some lead, others follow. Some are ardent, others are formal. Some are strong, others weak. Some succeed, others fail. Therefore the wise man practices moderation. He abandons pleasure, extravagance, and indulgence. Chapter 30 When the magistrate follows Tao, he has no need to resort to force of arms to strengthen the empire, because his business methods alone will show good returns. Briars and thorns grow rank where an army camps. Bad harvests are the sequence of a great war. The good ruler will be resolute, and then stop. He dare not take by force. One should be resolute, but not boastful. 
resolute, but not haughty, resolute, but not arrogant, resolute, but yielding when it cannot be avoided, resolute, but he must not resort to violence. By a resort to force, things flourish for a time, but then decay. This is not like the Tao, and that which is not Tao-like will soon cease. Chapter 31 Even successful arms among all implements are unblessed. All men come to detest them. Therefore the one who follows Tao does not rely on them. Arms are of all tools unblessed. They are not the implements of a wise man. Only as a last resort does he use them. Peace and quietude are esteemed by the wise man, and even when victorious he does not rejoice, because rejoicing over a victory is the same as rejoicing over the killing of men. If he rejoices over killing men, do you think he will ever really master the empire? In propitious affairs the place of honor is the left, but in unpropitious affairs we honor the right. The strong man, while at home, esteems the left as the place of honor, but when armed for war, yet it is though he esteems the right hand, the place of less honor. Thus a funeral ceremony is so arranged. The place of a subordinate army officer is also on the left, and the place of his superior officer is on the right. The killing of men fills multitudes with sorrow. We lament with tears because of it, and rightly honor the victor as if he was attending a funeral ceremony. Chapter 32 Tao in its eternal aspect is unnameable. Its simplicity appears insignificant, but the whole world cannot control it. If princes and kings employ it, every one of themselves will pay willing homage. Heaven and earth by it are harmoniously combined, and drop sweet dew. People will have no need of rulers, because of themselves they will be righteous. As soon as Tao expresses itself in orderly creation, then it becomes comprehensible. When one recognizes the presence of Tao, he understands where to stop. Knowing where to stop, he is free from danger. To illustrate the nature of Tao's place in the universe, Tao is like the brooks and streams in their relation to the great rivers and the ocean. Chapter 33 He who knows others is intelligent. He who understands himself is enlightened. He who is able to conquer others has force, but he who is able to control himself is mighty. He who appreciates contentment is wealthy. He who dares to act has nerve. If he can maintain his position, he will endure, but he who dying does not perish is immortal. Chapter 34 Great Tao is all-pervading. It can be on both the right hand and the left. 
Everything relies upon it for their existence, and it does not fail them. It acquires merit, but covets not the title. It lovingly nourishes everything, but does not claim the rights of ownership. It has no desires. It can be classed with the small. Everything returns to it, yet it does not claim the right of ownership. It can be classed with the great. Therefore the wise man, to the end, will not pose as a great man, and by so doing will express his true greatness. Chapter 35 The world will go to him who grasps this great principle. They will seek and not be injured. They will find contentment, peace, and rest. Music and dainties attract the passing people, while Tao's reality seems insipid. Indeed, it has no taste. When looked at, there is not enough seen to be prized. When listened for, it can scarcely be heard. But the use of it is inexhaustible. Chapter 36 that which has a tendency to contract must first have been extended. That which has a tendency to weaken itself must first have been strong. That which shows a tendency to destroy itself must first have been raised up. That which shows a tendency to scatter must first have been gathered. This is the explanation of a seeming contradiction. The tender and yielding conquer the rigid and strong. In other words, spirit is stronger than matter, persuasion than force. The fish would be foolish to seek escape from its natural environment. There is no gain to a nation to compel by a show of force. Chapter 37 Tao is apparently inactive, Wu Wei, and yet nothing remains undone. If princes and kings desire to keep everything in order, they must first perform themselves. If princes and kings would follow the example of Tao, then all things will reform themselves. If they still desire to change, I would pacify them by the simplicity of the ineffable Tao. This simplicity will end desire. And if desire be absent, there is quietness. All people will of themselves be satisfied. End of chapter 37